Hello and welcome to this podcast, Yes, I Have a Voice. My name is Ruth Lewis-Cost and I am a caregiver and I am blessed to be looking after my elderly parents. I started this podcast to remind ourselves that looking after those in need is a privilege. As unpaid caregivers, we need to have a voice. We need to be able to shout loud and be proud of our status. And caregiving has no age. People of all ages are caregivers. This is my way of supporting you all emotionally and practically with tools from other caregivers on how to find the joy in your situation and make amazing memories. So let's dive into this week's episode. So today I'm with Sarah Gaver, and Sarah is actually somebody who is in need of caregiving, and uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about her story so far. Sure. So uh, my name is Sarah. I'm from uh, the United States. I live in Jacksonville, Florida, and I was born with a physical disability called arthrogryposis. Uh, Not many people have heard of it. Uh, One in 3,000 of us are born with it. And it's basically a disability that affects our muscles and joints. Uh, So some of mine did not form or they're contracted, which means they could be fused together or bent in a certain position. And so I can't unbend. Um, So I currently use a power wheelchair to get around. Um, I've been driving a wheelchair since the age of four uh, and I'm 27, so 23 years of driving. Um, And so basically I can just about do most things that everybody else can do, but I do need assistance. So I view my caregivers as literally my hands uh, because I can't raise my hands off my lap. Uh, So they do everything your hands would do um, from taking me to the bathroom and getting me dressed, doing my hair, all of those basic necessities that we all need every single day. So presumably, obviously, aside from the, the physical and the sort of practical help that you need, you are having to perhaps live with people, certainly have people in, you know, around you all the time. So what are you looking for from your caregivers? Presumably you want them to be happy, uplifting. You don't want to be depressed and have them moping around you, presumably. So what is it you look for? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I was 27. And so that was kind of an important part. I'm 27. So first, I don't want a caregiver who's going to act as a mother or grandmother figure. Um, I'm looking for someone who's around my age, or at least has an understanding of the things that I like to do for fun. Uh, So I do go out, I do hang out with friends, I go to the movies, I love to shop. Um, And so just being somebody who's active, who understands that we don't have to sit inside, we don't have to, you know, go to bed at you know, 7.30 at night once we watched our episode of Jeopardy or anything exciting like that. And so it's just a matter of like, really the caregiving is someone who one is open to listening. Um, It's really important when the person who needs the care can be listened to um, because it's really hard for you to tell me how I should do something when it's my body that we're doing the task to and you wouldn't want to hurt me or move me the wrong way or anything like that. And so it's being open. It's being um, a good listener. And it's really also just being a lot of fun. And I love to have fun and I do just about everything and I'll go try crazy sports or any kind of activity. And so I want to be able to do that with somebody who would also enjoy it with me. Yeah, go well. I'm sitting here thinking, wow, that's amazing. So you've got to have somebody who's able to do everything that you like. 
but presumably right. you have different people as well so you get different things from different people obviously different times of the day and and whatever right. so mm -hmm. I guess where somebody fits in with you being kind of having a bit more downtime that's perfect and then you need somebody a bit more energetic if you want to go out clubbing or whatever it is you're doing yeah and that's exactly how I work my schedule so I have caregivers 24 7 and um, they work 12 hours at a time. And so during the day, I know which caregivers I need that one, at least understand makeup because makeup is an important part of me and I love putting it on. And um, so they have to be, you know, more on the artsy makeup side and they have to be willing to go out. Um, I really am involved in my community. So we volunteer a lot. We do a lot of work with other organizations. And so daytime is a lot busier at night. However, then I look for caregivers who have that more caring, nurturing side. Um, because it's normally when I take my shower, that's when I do all of my personal pampering that needs to be done for the next day. Um, so that takes a person with a little bit more attention to detail um, and things like that. So that's exactly how I plan my schedule. <laughs> that sounds absolutely brilliant. And as somebody who receives the care, and as you said, it, it's so important that they actually live the life you want to live, not what they want to live. What advice would you give to people who are the caregivers themselves, to whoever it is that might be? I mean, obviously, you know, taking age into consideration, but what sure. would your advice be to someone like me who's a caregiver? Yeah, so my advice is, is never look at the person for their, what they can't do and look at them for what you can help them do. Uh, and I think that is so important. And that doesn't have any restriction on age or gender or anything. Um, because as a caregiver, you're there to assist them with the things that they may not be able to do on their own. But as you learn what movements a person has, you may be able to figure out how they can do it on their own. So regardless of how much time you spend with a person, there's still ways to make them even more independent. And I understand that somebody says, oh, well, you're dependent on a caregiver. No, I'm not. I'm independent because I can make my own choices and I choose to tell them how to get me ready, which makes me an independent person. I just need assistance to be more independent. And so just keeping an open mind and not hindering anybody's ability, whether it's, you know, they can move one foot or they can turn on the TV today and they couldn't turn it on yesterday. That's an amazing accomplishment. And so just being able to praise those things and come up with ways to, even with your assistance, still be independent. That's so interesting. And as you say, it's so important because I think particularly, say somebody in my situation where I'm looking after my parents and I do, <laughs> I do hear myself a lot being bossy and saying, no, you mustn't do that. No, you mustn't do this. And it's actually such an interesting thing for me. I've written some notes down because it's going to help me actually be kinder to them and I know I'm not necessarily I'm their primary caregiver as as far as looking after and organizing things are concerned but they do have um, people coming in to assist them mm -hmm. um, but you know that already has sort of like pulled me up and made me think oh okay there are definitely some things here I can do and change obviously dealing with people in their 90s who might forget and all sorts of things you have to be sort of as you said to just adapt but I love that regardless of the age of the person you're taking care of you have to remember that we have a mental health state where a lot of times we feel like we're a burden because we need so much help 
And so the way to eliminate that, or at least make it not quite so prevalent, is really to understand that you're not a burden because today you did this, 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 and this, and that's amazing. And I didn't have to help you with any of it. And so those things make us feel good as the person you're taking care of, but they also make you feel good because you came up with a brand new creative way that your client can now do something for themselves. And that's just on the mental side, that really helps our mental health a lot. That's huge because mental health anyway at the moment is is really tricky with so many people having been in the UK and been in lockdown and it's affecting everybody from, from you know, children right up to people in their 90s and, and beyond. And it's absolutely, I think, vital to be able to praise people and to be able to make them feel that they're still valuable and still valued. Right. Because again, you know, I, going on my own experience, I know, um, you know, with my mother, she constantly is saying, oh, I'm such a burden. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And it's really important to, to tell her that she's, you know, doing well. And I do, but I think I need to do more of it, to be perfectly honest with you. I, you know, I'm learning this as well, because obviously I've been thrown into this quite unexpectedly and only, a, you know, a couple of months ago. So, you know, learning all the time. I think is vital for caregivers. So the members of the family who are looking after the person who is, you know, concerned. And I think there is nothing out there where people actually get advice. Right. They're told how to maybe physically do things, but they're not told anything more about the mental state. And what you're saying is, is of huge value, really. Yeah, the words that we use have so much more power than the actions that we do. Um, and so just really understanding that when your client or the person you're taking care of consistently says, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for who I am, or I'm sorry for that you have to work so hard to take care of me, tell them, no, don't be sorry, stop apologizing. Like, this is what I'm here for. And we're in this together. And that's really important to understand. And don't say, oh, well, I'm here to help you. So it's okay. No, 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 that's not any better. That doesn't make them feel any better. But this is what I'm here for. And we're going to work on this together because you're both in it together. And it's really a team effort, right? It takes me and my actions and my caregiver and her actions to be able to create one outcome. And if we don't work together, we're going to be butting heads or we're never going to get to the success that we needed in the first place. And so your words have so much power to what you say. So I do a lot of, I was one of those. I was a client who would say, I'm sorry all the time. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm in the way. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to move my chair in this direction. Like, and I would just consistently say it. And then I found, I'm a reader. So I found a book and it's called Girl Stop Apologizing. And that's the name of the book. It's by Rachel Hollis. And I loved the book so much because it really helped you understand like, no, you are who you are. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And so apologizing for who you are doesn't make any sense. So why apologize for who you are and who you've been created to be and why you're here on earth? Like, that, that's just silly, right? Um, and so just understanding that, yes, sometimes we do feel that way. And I still fall victim of feeling like a burden sometimes. It's just the way it is. Um, but it's just shifting our words and having that conversation with each other that really helps you know, continue going so that you don't get stuck in those negative thoughts. Absolutely. And I've read that book and it is amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a really good book. <laughs>
Sarah, tell me, do you still find, though, that there are people you come across who sort of have that kind of very, oh, I'm so sorry for you type of attitude? Or they even say, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. Does that happen very often to you still? Yeah, it happens all the time. And um, I really think that the honest truth behind it is that they're just not educated. Um, You see, a lot of us with disabilities are hidden still unfortunately. And so there's not enough of us out and about in the community for our society to start seeing all the things that we can do. So they go off of their generational stereotypes that were brought up from their family before um, and the movie and the media and everything that's already portrayed. And because there's not enough of us out there, they don't understand that, oh, wow, she's in a wheelchair, but she can do that. Whoa, I didn't know that because they've never seen it done. And so I don't take it as something offensive until I educate you. If I educate you and then you say it, I absolutely get offended because I feel like I did my job to educate you. It was your job to follow through and you didn't do that. But I really feel like once you understand that we all have limits, I don't care if you have a disability or not, or if you're an elderly person or a young person, it doesn't matter. You have limits and I have limits. It just depends on how we complete the task and how creative we can be to get the job done right? And so it really doesn't matter what that looks like. You know, you can tell me I can't all day, but I'm still going to try. If I fail, I learned I couldn't do it. If I don't fail and I succeed, you learned you shouldn't tell somebody they can't before you even see what they can do. That's amazing. And that's so inspirational. And really, that's life. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people are held down by their surroundings, by so many different things. And it's the same for anybody, as you say, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter, you know, whether you've got full function of all your limbs or not, whatever, but, you know, everybody should be allowed to just be themselves and and to explore what they can do and what they they want to do. Exactly. True. And you're just reminding me of, you know, time when I was in my 20s, and I was a caregiver to uh, my cousin, who was at that point in her 60s, And uh, she was in a wheelchair, 80% disabled. She'd had polio. And um, she was just such an amazing character. And she obviously lived off people caring for her. I wasn't a primary caregiver. I actually traveled with her. That was an education itself. But I didn't have to worry about, you know, what should I do? What should I do? First of all, she told me, I want you to do this, this and this. And secondly, she was in charge. And there was never, ever a question that I would tell her what to do. You can't do this. You can't do that. I just said, right, what do you want to do? Where are we going to go? And she was organizing it. And of course, when somebody tried to talk to me instead of her, I just kind of point to her and say, well, ask her, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. And we went to places, you know, that um, far in a field where we're in the UK and we went to Hong Kong and we went to Israel and we went to uh, Singapore And we did all that, obviously, on all the airlines, and she was just directing everybody. And when we were in those countries, going to the restaurants and what have you, the number of times we had to, well, almost every single time, we had to go through the service entrance, go up to service lifts. And we found that in the end, we just, you know, (laughs) we we were laughing so much about it because it it was hilarious. But, you know, people were absolutely shocked that she was the one who was voicing her desires and directing people because they expected it to be me 
and it absolutely right. wasn't right and that was in the 80s long before you know so even well before people are even where they are now which as you say they haven't moved on that much but they have moved on a wee bit so Sarah honestly it's been an absolute joy to talk to you um is there anything you would like to add to to the listeners just to again give them something to to think about something to do something to some action they can take some other book to read or what can they do to improve their knowledge and their education on being a caregiver sure so first thing for me and it sounds very blunt but i will tell you not everybody is meant to be a caregiver and that comes from my heart because it's not just a job you are somebody's lifeline in most cases and so if you don't have that understanding that if you don't show up that morning that's it for that person for the day, at least in my situation. I can't even get out of bed unless you come. And so if you're in it just to be in a job, it's not for you. Caregiving is really about caring for an individual and really understanding that you are our lifeline and you really do make an impact on us every single day. And I just really encourage everybody to understand that it's really okay to ask for help. I know a lot of us with disabilities, we struggle to ask for help because there's this overarching understanding that independence means you do it on your own. Independence doesn't mean you do it on your own. Independence means you make the choices. But if you need assistance along the way, you're still qualified as an independent person. And I feel like that needs to change because I may have caregivers all day long and all night long, but I'm still independent. I live in my own house. I have my own car. I work my own job. That makes me, me. And I made all of those decisions and choices along the way in my life to get to where I am today. And so just understanding that there's a caregiver client relationship, but also that it's really okay to be there as somebody's friend as well. That's amazing. And also, for example, when, you know, so many people are, um, it's the, the family member who is the caregiver. And as you say, just because they're a family member doesn't make them the ideal caregiver for that person. Right. And, you know, lack of training and everything does come into play. And maybe as the family member, maybe that's where the family member should actually decide, well, actually, this person, uh, you know, whoever it is, needs an expert, not me. And I should just go back into my role as, you know, daughter, mother, sister, whatever it is. Because we might not be the best caregivers emotionally. So right. I've loved talking to you. It's been so enlightening, truly. And thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> is what yes. I would say. For having me, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, if you like this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review. It really helps. See you next time.